Welcome to Being a Successful Leader with Carl Welty. Carl is a leadership pioneer with years of challenging leadership and consulting experience. Here's Carl with some valuable insights, practical and proven methods for being a successful leader. Welcome, Carl Welty here, your host for the uh, podcast series, Being a Successful Leader. The intent of this series is to provide you with valuable insights and practical improvement know-how on how to be a successful leader. And above all that, to uh, enable you to gain greater clarity, competence to move things in a good direction for you and be proud of that. Three imperatives, I believe, uh, for successful leadership. The first is being a self-aware and skillful leader. The second of the three is formulating, executing a sound strategy. And the third is building a culture of commitment, self-aware and skillful leader, sound strategy and culture of commitment. 26 weekly episodes, each ranging from um, 15 minutes to half hour. And the uh, episodes uh, revolve around the three uh, imperatives I just mentioned. We're actually in the third imperative now, the one of uh, building a culture of commitment. And the topic today is performance coaching. Um, the uh, There are four building blocks I have in my building uh, commitment book. Um, the first is selection. And, and two episodes ago, we reviewed that and really honed in on providing you with a comprehensive uh, process to prepare for and to conduct an effective selection interview. Very, very important management activity regarding very, very important uh, management activity of selecting the right people, getting a good fit with the position and the culture. And then last time we we visited the second of my four building blocks, and that's the one in clarity. And we spent some time in, in going through something, a, a, a unique and powerful process I have, a structure, if you will, called um, a position plan, and help you uh, to clarify with your associate the role and set of results that that person and people reporting them, if any, are organized to achieve. Uh, really good stuff. And um, today we talk about performance coaching. So you you selected the person, either hired from the outside or an internal selection. You uh, had great discussions on ongoing expectations and also, as we covered also last week, um, time-limited expectation, goal-setting and, and action plans. And now you need ongoing conversations. You just don't abandon them. You need to really uh, pace with them. And I call that performance coaching. So let's first start off with uh, co- coaching. What is coaching? Uh, very simply put, I think of coaching as as the uh, having people, to, helping people uh, do what they need or want to do to, uh, to help them gain the necessary clarity, confidence, and competence to perform as desired. Uh, let's go a little bit deeper. I have something called a coaching spectrum. And if you will, if uh, by the way, uh, you can check all this out uh, uh, by getting my book, Building Commitment. And I should mention that uh, you, all the past episodes uh, in this podcast are also on my website, Wealthy.com. Go to Wealthy.com, go over to Leadership Resources, scroll down to the uh, website, click on there, and you can pick up any past episode. Also, you see my books in the book we're talking about now. That parallels what we're talking about now is the uh, building commitment. And all the stuff we'll be talking about is in there including what we're talking about now, the coaching spectrum. So I'm going to give you a nice little model here. And if you don't have the book uh, now, just take a piece of paper, if you'll draw a line across it. And on the left-hand side, put inquiry. And the right-hand side, put advocacy. 
This is a spectrum of coaching. It's not just coaching is coaching. There's different dimensions or variations, if you will. So on the left-hand side, inquiry, uh, that's where you're asking questions, gathering information, making some suggestions and so forth. And as you move from left to right, you take on a stronger role uh, in your coaching. As you go over advocacy, you're actually having some of your uh, opinions and so forth uh, fostered. So uh, uh, advocacy would be uh, like advising and, and telling. So as we put it all together, going from left to right, under inquiry, you have asking and suggesting. And then as you move over advocacy, you have advising and telling. So you can see the different gradations there. There's no rightness or wrong with any of these. You got to pace with the situation and figure out what is best. Now, my coaching purist friends would say that uh, telling doesn't belong. That's not, that's not coaching. They tell me, well, I, I, I disagree. Uh, just think about when you were learning something, uh, you didn't know how to do it. Uh, uh, teaching is part of coaching. Okay. And, uh, you as a, as a, uh, leader manager do a lot of uh, teaching as you should. And, uh, also uh, telling once in a while because uh, involving safety, you don't, you know, advise and that's what you tell, you know, that's not, that's not acceptable. So it does have a place. Uh, and again, you need to gauge what, uh, what your involvement uh, should be here. Now, let's take the case of a golfing uh, coach. You, you haven't, let's say that you're starting golf. You don't know much about it. So a coach would start off by telling you about you know, the grip and the stance and that sort of thing and, and kind of the uh, basic nature of the swing. And then as, as you take some practice hits and so forth and so on, they'll then adjust you by advising do this and do that and so forth and so on. So that's just good coaching. Um, and on the other hand, let's say that you're a fairly experienced golfer and the coach that you're working with now, uh, rather than telling you a bunch of things and advising and that sort of thing, wants to see you swing. So you swing a few times, hit some balls and so forth, and then they pace with that and maybe make some suggestions and maybe ask you about how this feels or that feels and what the results seem to be to you. Now, that's just good coaching to... uh Review fundamentals for a beginner, then observe, then use the spectrum. And with somebody who has played before, observe, focus on areas needing work, and then use the spectrum. All right, hopefully that's uh, that's very valuable to you. So let's move from coaching in general to what I call performance coaching. Uh, what I mean there is, is performance coaching is ongoing, work-centered quality conversations between you and uh, your associate, where you're providing direction, guidance, and support to allow that associate to be successful and to use the, the coaching spectrum in doing so. So, so it involves frequent conversations uh, where you're reinforcing expectations, uh, achieving expectations, specific work you'll be talking about, helping, encouraging, nurturing. What it is not is idle chatter, just schmoozing. That, that's fine, you know, but that's not, that's what not we're talking about here. Uh, it needs to be genuine and uh, you're not micromanaging here. You're, performance coaching. Uh, it's a management best practice. It, it allows you to reinforce uh, training that the, the person has had. Uh, so many times people go off to training efforts and they come back and nothing's changed because the environment is not inducive or conducive to them to implement things. So it, it's a great, great reinforcer of training. And 
Also, uh, it, uh, it research tells us that uh, the associates who who have a good uh, leader, leader manager, hopefully like you, that provides performance coaching, they out they outperform those who aren't as fortunate. So good, good uh, practices there. Well, if such a good deal performance coaching, why isn't practice more? Um, and and it's not uh, certainly in my observation and my work and so forth, and and perhaps in yours too, as you observe. Uh, a, a guy named Bruce Tolgan. T-U-L-G-A-N, in his book, It's Okay to Be the Boss, I think a really good book, highlights um, seven, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, see, uh, seven different uh, reasons uh, are myths for this, uh, what he calls epidemic about underperformance coaching. One is the myth of empowerment. Uh, so the leader manager thinks, well, the way you empower people is to leave them alone and let them do their thing. Uh, but the truth is that people uh, perform better when they're given the proper direction, guidance, and support. That's a, to do otherwise is false empowerment. The second of the myths is a myth of fairness. The way to be fair is to treat everyone the same. Well, that doesn't hold any water either because uh, you're going to treat people based upon their needs and, and you do more or less uh, based upon their performance. The third of the myths is a myth of the nice guy. The only way to be strong is to act like a jerk, but I want to be a nice guy. But nice guy managers do what it takes to uh, help you know, associates. That's the nice guy, you know. The the next one is the myth of difficult conversations. The leader manager thinks being hands-off is the way to avoid difficult conversations. Well, being a weak manager makes for more mess. Uh, more, more inevitable conversations about problems. So you want to do some good performance coaching and counseling and, and uh, avoid those difficult conversations. The myth of the red tape. Managers are prevented from being strong because there are so many factors beyond their control. You know, the red tape, the corporate culture, senior management, limited resources. But focusing on the many factors that you can control is the way to be a stronger manager. The myth of the natural leader. I am not a good at managing. The best managers are people, natural or not, who have a genuine desire to manage and, and engage as what we talked about throughout this series and deliberate practice to apply uh, practical and proven methods and know-how to uh, be a good uh, manager and performance coach. The myth of time. There's not enough time to manage people. Quality performance manager reduces the thing, things that can go wrong and is a good time management technique. Okay. All the reasons that managers don't do as much performance coaching as they should. And we can debunk every one of them. Okay. Key concept here. Key concept. Make note of this. And I call this pacing with your associate. Like the uh, golf uh, metaphor we used here where the, where the good coach uh, who's uh, working with a fairly experienced golf student, paces with them, looks at their swings, doesn't start all over and doesn't start going down the spectrum from telling and advising and so forth, but meets the client, the coaching pupil, where they're at. And that's uh, that's what we want to do in uh, your role as a leader manager. So there's two uh, things we need to talk about here. One is the uh, my little model of approaches to managing and then the other is the maturity level of your follower. And what we're doing here is matching up your 
different approaches to the maturity of your follower. So bear with me here. Let's talk about the approaches to managing first, a continuum again. On the left-hand side, uh, you have directive, and in the middle, collaborative, and then on the right-hand side, delegative. Delegative, directive, collaborative, delegative. Fairly uh, self-explanatory terms. We could actually go farther and, and say free reign, but that's not a part of your uh, opportunity. You don't want that to do your thing. You know, you need to be there as a, a leader manager. But it would be another option. <laughs> You're not going to get very good results, but uh, we'll stick with the de- directive, collaborative, and delegative. So as you move from left to right, you're affording more discretion. You're allowing your associate to plan, do, and control more of the work. Okay. So directive, again, to define each of these before we move on to the maturity level. Uh, directive is a telling, a high degree of teaching. The collaborative is discussion and consultation, both about the what's the desired results and the how's, how to go about it. And the delegative is allowing ample associate discretion regarding the how's and perhaps the what's. Okay. Now, let's move uh, from uh, the management approaches, the three I gave you, to the uh, level of uh, of competence and uh, motivation. That's the maturity level, as I call it, the level of competence and motivation of your associate. It's, it's a rough gauge, but it's an important one, very, very useful. Um, so what you want to do then is you match your approaches to managing directive, collaborative, delegative to the maturity level of your associate. Now, I, I just use like M1 to M4 you could, for maturity or if you prefer development, you go D, D1, D2, D3, D4. So on the left-hand side, you have low uh, maturity and the right-hand side, high maturity. So as a person gains level, uh, increases their competence and motivation in terms of a particular task, a particular assignment, or the position as a whole, or a particular key result area, you provide them more discretion. Uh, and it makes sense if you have a new person, even though they have a lot of relevant experience, you're going to stick pretty close. And uh, <clears throat> you're going to, until they, they get the lay of the land and so forth, you're going to provide a, a directive. And maybe as they gain uh, maturity, you're going to move to more collaborative and then uh, eventually delegate it. Okay, hopefully that makes sense to you. It's just, it's simple, but it, it's so profound. And a lot of leader managers, they just kind of do the same thing all the time. And they don't, as I say, pace with their associates. Very, very important concept here. Some important points about this uh, pacing. Uh, you want to work through slowly. Uh, people will advance their, through their material levels at obviously different paces, but, uh, but you want to work th- slowly. <laughs> take them through the different stages. Uh, you don't want to neglect your high performers. Don't take them for granted. So even though you may be more of a, in a delegative mode with them, you would don't want to ignore them. You appreciate them. You got to let them know that. Another important point about using the uh, pacing concept, people will develop at different rates. Uh, another one is not all will reach full maturity. And that's okay. In other words, they're not all all going to go up in, in our example here to a level uh, M4, or maturity 4, or development 4 stage. Uh, but if they're doing a good job and so forth and you just don't have the ability to go beyond that, um, you know, feel feel fortunate, okay? Uh, if regression occurs, in other words, a person's fairly mature, but they're going backwards, they're backsliding, you can move more rapidly down 
the uh, spectrum that I painted for you uh, because they've already been there. So the coaching goal that you have using this pacing concept is to allow people to self-correct and continuously improve. So you do more and more uh, directive sort of uh, uh, managing and less and less uh, uh, guidance, direction, so forth. But but now they, they understand the ropes and they can self-correct and continuously improve, but you're still with them. Let's talk about you being competent in uh, pacing. There's two elements. One is diagnosis and the other is range. These are pretty easy to understand. We've uh, covered the first already diagnosis. So you'd, you'd want to take a look at, you know, the pacing uh, concept I just gave you. And uh, for each of your associates, you want to uh, get a fairly good idea of, of uh, where, where they are, if you will, in their maturity level. That's the diagnostic, diagnostic part. So be sure you do that. And uh, continue to work at that. Now, the other part is range. So that's your range, your, your capability of moving up and down the spectrum, if you will, from directive to collaborative to, um, to delegative. And you, so you have to uh, be able to move up and down and also to then gauge where you, uh, what approach you use to your, to your associate again. So if you are not able if you're not right now capable to be highly directive and then on the other end, delegative and in between collaborative, you may tee that up as a developmental goal for you. And that'd be very, very important to develop that. And if that is the case with you, I highly recommend that you go to uh, the uh, episode that we had on self-coaching. That was some time ago. And that was in connection with the uh, first imperative leadership imperative, the one of uh, being a self-aware and uh, uh, skillful leader. Uh, I have a very good uh, process to to walk you through a series of questions so you can do some quality thinking uh, and planning for yourself. So if you have that developmental need, look that up, will you? It'll serve you quite well. Now, let's talk about uh, making uh, performance coaching happen. Uh, unearthing opportunities. Uh, once you understand the importance of performance coaching, it's not difficult to spot coaching opportunities. Uh, the large challenges, of course, are readily identified. Um, and the smaller challenges that uh, your associate may be having, you may have to uh, take the initiative there and inquire how you're doing and kind of help with anything, that sort of thing. We also talked about one of the earlier episodes, coaching by walking around. You may have heard about managing by walking around. Coaching is a little spin on that. And uh, it's actually caring by walking around. And we could call it coaching by walking around, too. And that's where you, uh, you're you out there with a purpose to try to help folks and support them and nurture them and that sort of thing. Uh, so we just we discussed that. And, and when you do do that, a very good practice. You need to be genuine. You need to listen, and you're not snooping. You're there to maybe be of some help to be a good performance coach. On the larger ticket items, uh, you want to carve out some time to engage in quality thinking and, and interacting with your uh, associate. One great way to do that is regular one-on-one meetings, and uh, we discussed that uh, uh, in the past. It's also in in uh, the, the the book. Uh, that under building commitment, um, performance coaching regards business opportunities and challenges and also personal development. 
the, the business uh, opportunities and challenges of your associate and their own personal development. Okay. And, and one-on-one meetings, I want to say again, uh, check out the book because I, I have a nice section on there, uh, one-on-one meetings. Uh, let's move now to another important element, and that's periodically discussing your relationship with the associate. Uh, you need to gauge the interaction. We talked about the, the model, the pacing, but you want to, you want to involve it in the process once in a while. You don't want to take it for granted. Here's some dynamite questions for you. And you do this with people that are good performers. You wouldn't want to do this necessarily with a person that you're having problems with and you're really, uh, you know, really working on some maybe even disciplinary kinds of things you're thinking about. But these are people that are doing fine or doing great. And you just need to gauge that relationship once in a while by involving them. So here are the questions. Uh, you ask the person, what would you like me to do more of or start doing? You can see this is, requires a little bit of courage on your part, and you, you got to be ready for some dialogue and take take it wherever it needs to go. What would you like me to do more of or start doing? And the second one is, what would you like me to do less of or stop doing? And then you shut up and listen and have some good dialogue. Um, it, it allows you to gauge the relationship, and you may be surprised sometimes what they say. Back off this, do more of that, and what have you. Um, also, then you can get involved in this too and what you would like them to do more of, less of, um, and start doing, stop doing that sort of thing. So you can ask those questions too. You don't have to agree, but treat, treat, treat the feedback as a gift to engage in meaningful dialogue. Uh, now you're vulnerable in doing that and, and a lot of leader managers, Oh, vulnerable. That's a bad deal. That's not a bad deal. Vulnerability is a, a great a plus for you. If you have the courage and the fortitude to, to work with it. it, it's not a weakness. It opens the door. It provides courage to be sincere, open, honest, and, and willing to take challenges and improvement. It opens the door to moving things to new and better places. You don't want to be a, 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 a buffoon, you know, vulnerable, you, but, but you're, you're a professional manager. You take risks. You're trying to move things and you're, you're, you're okay of being vulnerable. You don't know have all the answers, but you can process whatever feedback you get. <clears throat> Another topic here, the art of delegating. As you move uh, up the spectrum, either with a particular assignment or the key result area or the position as a whole, uh, the uh, uh, delegating, one of the management approaches, critical leader management skill. And you've got to think of delegating. We mentioned this in the past. Uh, as an act of entrusting responsibility and authority to others and create accountability for results. Uh, delegating is not passing the buck, giving up your overall accountability. Remember, we made that distinction, accountability versus responsibility. Uh, refusing to take a decision or make a decision by assigning it to another. It is also not shirking your personal responsibility. For delegating to be truly effective, it needs to be looked upon as an investment rather than a way of getting rid of work. It needs to be results-driven, not activity-driven. See my book on this, again, committing, uh, Building Commitment, and uh, I have a whole section on there on delegating a lot more specifics than we can go into uh, here. So be sure and check that out if you don't already have that, that book. Okay, uh, winding down here, a final thing I'd like to talk about is constructive feedback and encouragement as you're doing your performance coaching. They're, they're different, and it's an important distinction. 
constructive feedback is based on observations. Remember, we talked about if you're with me, the, the ladder of, of, of inference, you go from specific observation to judgments and generalizations and so forth as you climb the rungs of the ladder. So constructive feedback is based on your, the bottom rung down there. It's the things you see, you'll see and hear and so forth. Whereas praise and concern uh, deals with more of your judgments and generalizations and conclusions. And there's an important distinction. Uh, you go from opinion, uh, judgments and so forth to specific behaviors. And you can do things more with specific behaviors. You can do something about behaviors. Uh, that's where your positive enforcement comes in. You, you like something you see or hear, whatever. You need to get specific about what it is and so forth. Not that, gee, that you're, you're doing well in that area. But if you want to repeat it, why do you say that? What are the specifics that you have? The same with negative reinforcement. If you want something to, to, to cease, then you got to be specific about what is it, the behaviors you're talking about. Constructive feedback, again, needs to be earned. It needs to be timely. Needs to be specific and personalized, and also very, very important needs to be genuine. So those are important things to to bear in mind. So I like what uh, to wrap this little part up. My uh, the late Bob Mager, who was a premier instructional technologist, how to design instruction that works, and I was I had a good relationship with Bob. But he, he always had the, the phrase: catch people doing things right and let them know about it in no uncertain terms. <laughs> Positive reinforcement. All right, a lot of good stuff here for you. Be sure and, and again, review. You always go back and review the episode by going to Wealthy.com and also checking out the uh, the, the book, the books in this particular book, The uh, Building Commitment. Okay, we'll leave that uh, for this topic now. And next time, we're going to still be under the uh, banner, if you will, of uh, of performance coaching and spend uh, the full episode on uh, a, a great process I have for you. I call analyzing and resolving performance discrepancies. They aren't bad things. They just, they happen a gap between what you like to have happen and what is happening. And sometimes it's obvious and you work with your associate and you close that gap. And sometimes just time will take care of closing the gap. But other times you need to get uh, involved and uh, it's not apparent. So you need some, help to analyze just what's going on and then to map out a resolution that fits that analysis, okay? And we'll go through that with you next time. All right. In the meantime, you take care of yourself and we'll see you.